Habits and Health, episode 43. Welcome to the Habits and Health podcast, where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. Brought to you by an educator and coach for anyone who wants to create a healthier life. Here's your host, Tony Winyard. Welcome to another edition of the podcast where we give you ideas on habits you can create or implement into your life to improve your health in some way. Today's episode is with a biological dentist by the name of John Roberts. He's been in he's been a dentist for 40 years and he has got a very curious nature and he's very receptive to new ideas and has done a lot of um, research on new ways of doing dentistry and finding out how to go about things in a different way from how many dentists would go about things. So you're, you're going to hear a lot more about that in this episode. So that's uh, with John episode. Hope uh, John Roberts. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Habits and health. My guest today, John Roberts. How are you, John? I'm very well, thank you. And I've been, I mean, we've, we spoke briefly before the recording started. And as I mentioned to you, I've been wanting to have a dentist on my show for such a long time, but it was trying to find the right type of dentist. And it was when I spoke with, I had Pete Williams on the uh, show uh, probably about six weeks ago, and he spoke about you in glowing terms. And as, as he was speaking about you, I thought, I've got to get this guy on the show. So here you are. So thank you. Thank you. And you know what? I learned stuff from Pete on that podcast because I walked, I walk every day and I listen to it. And it's like, yeah, yeah, Pete's a good lad. Pete's a very good lad. And so you've been a dentist for quite a while. 40 years. Um, and if you could see me, I'm still smiling and I do go into work every day. And when I close the door and I'm working with patients, I absolutely love my job. You know, I'm one of those lucky people. I was, I, I found a vocation that I really, really enjoy. And it's been great to me. And I want to continue doing it. And it's evolved into the person I am today. Um, and as we were saying before, I'm not right. I'm not wrong. But if the style of care that I can offer people resonates with them and it's directional towards improving their health, then, hey, I like it. I love it. And I imagine dentistry, has it changed quite a bit since you started? Oh, massively. You know, <laughs> gone are the days, you know, we used to didn't wear gloves, wear your own clothes, do gas sessions, take teeth out, make dentures, bash out mercury fillings like there was no tomorrow. And it has evolved. And, and there is still places that do that style of dentistry. And that's fine. That's fine for the dentists who do it. That's fine for the patients who want to receive the care. I was fortunate and... Um, I was uh, interested in you, you know, some questions you asked me. And I've always been a why not dentist. Um, and if something didn't resonate well, I, I went and said, all right, why not? Why not find out more? I remember years ago, someone said, oh, mercury fillings may be harmful. And this is like, oh, 85, 86. So mm -hmm. I went away and learned. And then I made a conscious decision that if I could, I'd stop using it. You know, that was way before all this trendy mercury-free stuff. This is pre-internet. This is pre-mobile -pre phones, you know? <laughs> and so, and then because I am who I am, there was a meeting in America in um, San Diego. So I got on a plane and went to San Diego. Didn't know what I was doing. And it was, you just turn up, you go to meetings, and if you're a happy chappy from Liverpool, you talk to people, and it just grew and developed. So, my career has, has, has you know, we, we talked about alternative. It's not alternative. It's just different. We talk about holistic. Mm. Well, it's looking after the whole person. And I, mm. I sort of in my older days now have, have got onto the term biological. This is how the body works. Does the body work by putting, mm. controversially, a poison in someone's mouth and letting it leak into the body? I don't think so. Uh, do we leave infections mm. in the body, which we know harm people? Mm, not the best mm. idea in the world. And um, do we now, um, and hopefully we're going to talk about, do we do orthodontics and give people straight teeth if they then can't breathe mm. properly? And both you and I, I believe, are passionate about the, the mantra that I want to come through is lips together, tongue to the roof of your mouth, breathing through your nose, and swallow properly. Mm. And 
after 40 years, if I could just do that with my patients from I've treated a three-month-old baby today doing surgery on their lip and their tongue all the way through to old people who get it. If you don't breathe properly, you don't sleep properly. If you don't sleep properly, you don't heal properly. If you don't heal properly, you feel rubbish and you chase mm. after more and more drugs and solutions. And it's not the only solution, but you're more of an expert than I am. Breathe through your nose and let dentists help you make that possible. Well, it sounds like your approach to dentistry, you've, I don't know, I just get the feeling you have enormous curiosity and you're always trying to keep up with new findings and, and so on. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've never stood still. Um, I've enjoyed traveling a lot. I've been to America more times than I can remember. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to teach over in America for a while. Um, if there's a course I want to do, I've, I've gone and done it. And, and so long as you bring it back and integrate it into the work you're doing, and it was a lot easier because in 94, I made the decision not to do mercury fillings anymore. Uh, and therefore, I couldn't mm. be an NHS dentist. Uh, no other reason for that. And so if you learn new skills or see new things, I'm not going to say without practicing on people, but if you felt it was appropriate, you discussed it with the patient and you did it. So, mm. you know, at the same time, I went to see people who were not taking teeth out to do braces. You were treating children when they were young, you know, five, six, seven. So by the time they were 12 or 13, they didn't need anything done because you'd already done it. Um, it's, 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 sometimes it's common sense. And I'm perhaps a person who looks at something and says, why are we doing it that way? Is there a different way of doing mm. it? I, it also makes me a pain in the whatever because I won't mm. do it the way everyone else does it. Um, mm. But it's nice because people are now listening. You know, they're saying, right, how would John do it? And, you know, maybe mm. John can help and this, that, and the other. So, hey, it's evolving. And, and that's the beauty. It's, you know, what I do today may be different to what I do in a year's time. Um, mm. I, I, and if you take people on that journey and you're not didactic, and I don't believe in dogma, we must do it this way, um, mm. I, I could share experiences today. Someone came in, they want all their teeth out. He was only 58. I said, look, let's strike a deal. Keep some, lose some, and your quality of life will be better. And it wasn't about making more money taking teeth out or making dentures. It was about her quality of life. And that's what dentistry should be about, is giving people a quality of life through whatever way we do things. I mean, it's a couple of things you just touched on the last few minutes. I mean, you mentioned about the how it's related to breathing and braces and so on. And so for people who who are listening to this and maybe they're not so, they don't know so much about breathing and how, what, what role our teeth play in why so many people do breathe through their mouth now and how that has affected the, the structure of the face and so on. So can you kind of maybe educate people or, or let people know about, about that maybe? Okay. So, you know, if I start off with today, seeing a three-year-old child who traveled probably 150 miles to see me, sorry, three-month-old child who traveled 150 miles to see me, this child couldn't breastfeed because the tongue and the lip were tethered. So the mum was in discomfort all the time. She's had to go into a bottle, but even bottle feeding wasn't achievable. So with a simple procedure with our lasers, we released the lip, we released the tongue, and the child fed a whole bottle for the first time without taking air, without um, being upset, and just promptly fell asleep, which was wonderful. What's the importance of that? In an ideal world, a mother should breastfeed for as long as we can. And I know there's reasons why these things don't happen. But when mm. the tongue draws the nipple in and it squashes the nipple to express the milk on the roof of the mouth, that's what grows the upper jaw. That's what mm. then improves the child's breathing. It slows the breathing down. And it is universally acknowledged that it, it moves the upper jaw upwards and forwards. When you put a dummy in or you put a bottle in, and you're sucking with your cheeks, and you can do this while you're listening, you narrow the upper jaw, and you pull it backwards and downwards. This is what John Mew has said um, for years and years and years. And almost inevitably, instead of swallowing with the tongue to your roof of your mouth, the way a child expresses milk from a nipple, the tongue goes to the floor of the mouth, and you're sort of sucking in. So the whole mechanism of swallowing uh, from a bottle versus swallowing from a breast is completely different. 
but it also mm. guides the growth of the jaws differently. What then happens is as the child's jaw grows, it doesn't grow sufficiently broad and jump forwards 10 years. You see a 10-year-old child with not enough room in the mouth for all the teeth. Now, we mm. then say, oh, look, you've got dad's teeth and mom's jaws, where in fact you don't have dad's fingers and mom's hands. You know, Genetics mm. doesn't work that way. It basically, mm. the jaw hasn't grown big enough to fit all the teeth. And mm. if you think that the teeth fit around the tongue, and the tongue is so important, if you don't have enough room for the tongue, there's only one place where it goes, and that's backwards. So then it's mm. more difficult to breathe through the mouth. So you then end up with the habit of opening your mouth and breathing through your mouth. And you're more of an expert than I. We are designed to exclusively breathe through our nose. The moment mm. you open your mouth, you change your oxygen. The oxygen utilization you use, um, you change your carbon dioxide levels. And that's fascinating stuff that carbon dioxide is an essential nutrient. You know that. I know mm. that. We should breathe properly. But to go to the dentistry, then we see children at 10, 12, 14. They have teeth taken out and braces in to put their teeth straight again. But guess mm. what? No one ever considers the room for the tongue. So there's a most amazing book by a friend of mine in America called Six Foot Tiger in a Three Foot Cage because the, the, the mouth is made smaller, the tongue goes backwards, which you might be able to live with as a young child. But as you get older and that tongue gets a little bigger, you end up with snoring problems or clenching your teeth. It can eventually lead to sleep apnea. And that then becomes a health issue all the way from a three-month-old baby to a 70-year-old man. And everything in mm. between can be influenced by the dentist. So really go to a dentist who doesn't believe in extraction of teeth, who treats a child early. And again, am I okay giving resources out for people to look at websites? Absolutely, yeah. yeah then um, there's a great educational resource called myoresearch.com. And they've got mm -hmm. a lot of educational videos on showing what is correct breathing, what is correct swallowing, what is correct posture, because mm -hmm. all these are guided and dictated by appropriate dental care. Mm -hmm. And give someone an ear-to-ear -ear set of teeth with the teeth fitting together properly, lips together, and breathing through your nose, and I'll give you a healthy person. So you, you mentioned about um, finding a doctor who has the approach of, um, I forget how you worded it just now, but it, it, it seems to me that many doctors, well, many, sorry, dentists, not doctors, many dentists still take the approach of uh, try to fit in a brace, or am I wrong? Is that not what happens so much now? No, we all, we all do braces, but you can either, you know, if a child doesn't have enough room for all their teeth, you can do one of three mm. things. You can leave them the teeth as they are and accept crooked teeth. And that's mm. what we did up to 40 years ago. You can take teeth out and pull everything back and give you straight mm. teeth, but then you have straight teeth that don't fit the body. And this is all your, then your TMJ doctors looking at all your TMJ problems um, and remember, TMJ doesn't stand for temporomandibular joint. It stands for teeth, muscles, and jaw. And if the teeth are in the wrong place, the muscles overwork, which is your headaches, head, neck, shoulder issues, or the jaw doesn't work properly. You're clicking, grinding, and your jaw not opening well enough. So the yeah. other option is to see a dentist who grows the jaw. So hopefully you've got enough room to make the jaw bigger, to fit all the teeth, you then retrain the person's habits to breathe through the nose, lips together, tongue to the roof of your mouth, and then you can straighten the teeth with enough room and with, with the, how can I say, the respect the tongue needs. We don't deal with the tongue as the beautiful organ it is. It's just something mm. that gets in the way when it is so many life-saving qualities. It grows your jaw. It supports your jaw. It keeps your airway clean. But it's, it's a thing that's in the way, and it isn't. But it's the same with the nose as well. The nose is a beautiful organ if you know how it works. And we as dentists, we, we avoid the tongue and we push it out the way and we, you know, it gets in the way for everything. The nose, 
what's the nose? It's just something above the teeth that we don't know anything about, rather than the teeth are there to give a house for the tongue and support the nose and all the structure of your sinuses. Your sinuses are an organ. Your sinuses do many things for your health, but mm. we don't do anything about it. And yet we treat the other end. If the teeth go into the sinus, we treat the teeth and don't think about the sinus. And that's why I get the joy out of my job. But the approach that you're taking, it seems to me, it seems very unusual in dentistry, or, or am I wrong? Are there more dentists taking this approach now? There are more dentists taking this approach. And, you know, I, I have to say that maybe 40 years ago, I would be guilty of taking teeth out because that was my level of knowledge. Now that there is mm. at least sufficient debate to say, should I take teeth out? Shouldn't I take teeth out? What are the health consequences and we don't. We just look at, I want straight teeth. I want to look nice. But when we actually right. acknowledge there's a health consequence, then we should be learning. And my frustration with the profession, people are out of their own opinion, but they should look at the person's health. I mean, it's a great fact. And, you know, Patrick, our teacher, will tell you, a child who breathes through will have 10 points lower on an IQ. And we can say mm. that because there are studies to show it. And so we as dentists are doing the same thing as we did 40 years ago. Um, but, um, you know, in this modern way of the world, at least give the patients a choice. And I have to mm. admit, it takes longer. It's a bit like if you want to play the piano, you have to practice every day. If you want to breathe properly, you have to practice every day. It, you know, it takes many years longer. It costs more money. But if you are purchasing health for your children for the rest of their life, then for mm. me, it is an option I give my patients. Now, why don't other dentists do it? <sighs> and, you know, I think you're the man to talk about changing habits a little bit at a time. But when you've studied for 20 years and you've spent thousands of pounds and hours and hours away learning, all of a sudden some clever scouser doesn't come along and say, you're doing it all wrong. You've got to grow and develop and look at choices and options, not shut people would, down. Would, would you be able to estimate what percentage of dentists would now take the approach rather than simply removing teeth to, to look at things differently in the UK? Um, I wouldn't like to say, but it'd only be one or two <laughs> or three percent. I mean, the, the, wow. the thing there is to look at um, something called orthopedic orthodontics, where we grow the bone to fit all the teeth, and then we do orthodontics to fit the teeth in the bone. But also, right. we also then look at the relation between, relationship between the upper teeth and the lower teeth. I very, very rarely see upper teeth that are too far forwards, but I always, always see mm. a lower jaw that's too far back. And yet we bring the top mm. teeth to the back, and if you think your bottom jaw is attached to the tongue, if the bottom jaw is too far back, your tongue is in the back of your throat, you can't breathe properly. And we'll get on to the mechanics mm. of older people in a minute. But if you bring your bottom jaw forwards, you can breathe through your nose easier. And that's why we should bring the mm. bottom jaw to the top, not the top to the bottom. I mean, in the book, we, we before we started recording, we, we talked about the book uh, Breathe by James Nestor. And yeah, in that book, book I, see, I seem to remember him mentioning he had a, I think he had a procedure done where he, he, he was wearing some kind of brace or something to change the structure of his yeah. mouth or something. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, he, he, he saw a dentist called uh, Dr. Balfour, who's uh, based in New York City. Um, I, I did some work with him beginning of the year, I think. And he has something called a homeoblock, which is what he wears every night. And using the pressure of his tongue, he then pushes and it grows the upper jaw bigger, um, so all the teeth will fit. And, and what it does is it, it changes the shape of your upper jaw to allow more room for your tongue, um, and it brings the tongue into a more forward position. And then if you can then retrain the old mantra, lips together, tongue to the roof of mouth, and breathe through your nose, you've created a better environment. I mean, there have been many, many people, um, there's a guy, um, in Southern America, a guy called David Singh, who has his own way of doing it. Um, we have been making upper jaws bigger and bringing the lower jaw forwards for, for 30 years. I'm not an orthodontist. 
I am a general dentist, but it's finding the orthodontist, really good guys at moving teeth, who don't want to just move teeth, make them look good, but bring them forward to give an airway. Anything to make more space for your tongue if your tongue is cramped. And how can you tell whether your tongue is cramped? Well, stick your tongue out, let it go limp, and then see whether there's little scalloping around the edges. That would indicate that your tongue is pushing against your teeth when you're swallowing and certainly when you're asleep at night. The whole issue of tongue tie, um, which I said I treated a three-month-old today, many adults are tongue-tied. Their mm. tongue can't go to the roof of the mouth. They can't swallow properly. And therefore, they'll always have an open-mouth posture. So, you know, you will guide people more on looking at buteco breathing and how you can retrain your tongue, retrain your lips, retrain your breathing, because it is, mm. in essence, what health is all about. Um, so mm. where was I going with that? Um, very few dentists are doing it, um, but there's more and more would like to know. The trouble is COVID has really slowed all the learning down. And just before lockdown, um, we were going to run a conference in Manchester um, where we were going to introduce many, many more dentists to this style of care. Um, didn't happen. Mm. I've got to get my enthusiasm back again to do something like that. But it's, I think Patrick was going to speak on it. I think um, Myobrace people are going to speak on it. So you've got several different people now all saying a similar thing. And that's where I've been lucky. I've done my dentistry. I've done my orthodontics. I've done my breathing. I've done my cranial work. Because swallowing properly mm. and breathing properly enhances your cranial system. Cranial osteopaths, chiropractors, they move the bones of your skull around so your your skull works better, your sinuses work better. Every time you chew or every time you swallow two and a half thousand times a day, you are pumping your cranial system. You are moving the fluids that bathe your brain. And, you know, modern science and, you know, we can talk about nitric oxide in a minute. I think that was Nobel Prize 2015. I think Nobel Prize 2014 was the glymphatic system, which is mm. when you sleep, your brain shrinks, all the, it squeezes out all the toxins, and the fluid flows around your brain and drains out, and you rehydrate mm. your brain, and you put all the nutrients back in again. If you mm. don't get that correct sleep, then you don't rehydrate your brain. You don't feed your brain. And there's some studies, it was only, I was reading it today or yesterday, saying something to bring the jaw forwards, to help someone breathe at night, allows the brain to function better, and you will see changes in people who've got cognitive decline. Sleep is so important for an mm. anti-aging, an anti-Alzheimer influencing therapy and mm. you then add on the science of the glymphatic system and just google it and look it up it's such an elegant system but if you don't sleep and mm. you you don't have those cycles either five or six cycles of sleep 90 minute sleep cycles then um mm. you are not going to have a brain that's as healthy and what is crucial? We're mm. going to talk about sleep disordered breathing or breathing disordered sleep, which is the real term. If you don't breathe properly, you don't sleep properly. Sorry, I've gone on again, but well, let's let's get well now. Let's get let's get into that now because I'm I'm wondering. So, if there are we, t I think we do tend to have an older audience for the, for this podcast. So, and someone's listening yeah. to this now, and maybe they they they're not sleeping so well. They do have I don't know sleep apnea issues, whatever, and. Is there something, say there's someone who's in their 60s, a, a guy, and he's thinking, well, is, is it too late? Is there anything I can do? No, absolutely not. And, you know, everything from the guy who's writing the books at the moment on reversing Alzheimer's, a guy called Dale Bredesen, um, he's fantastic. And he, mm. he will talk about the, the quality of your sleep. And if you have less than optimal bite and teeth fitting together. I'm smiling now, and I know this is a podcast showing off my teeth. But um, if your teeth fit together and there's enough room for your tongue, you're not breathing through your mouth, you get this glymphatic drainage. If, however, you breathe through your mouth or you start snoring, worse still, the tongue falls to the back of your mouth and you're not breathing at all. Your oxygen level goes down, you wake up 
startled. You do not get these cycles of sleep. And that will start to add to your cognitive decline. By how much is mm. dependent on you, but certainly reversing cognitive decline is uh, going to be improved, dare I say, significantly by breathing properly at night. So you can go to a dentist and they can do a sleep test on you. They can look for clinical signs. Upper front teeth wearing down is one. Scalloped tongue, looking at the function, how you swallow. Um making that sure that when you breathe through your nose, the outside of your nose doesn't collapse in. It's something known as the cockle um, process, where if you breathe in and, and your nose collapses in, again, it's a shame this is not a video, then when you breathe mm. in quickly, all of a sudden you can't breathe through your nose, so you end up breathing through your mouth. And this is where we like recommending patients the um, mute snore appliances, where you put it in your nose and mm. it opens up your nostrils so it's breathing through your nose easier. So when I walk every morning, I wear this. And I, I can I don't quite run, but I walk quickly and I exclusively breathe through my nose. And that has to do me good. I can't prove it because I'm not going to do what James Nestor did and block up my nose and breathe through my mouth and see how ill I'm going to be. I'm just not going to do that, you know? So if someone has an issue, they need to find a dentist. And there is a, um, a British... Dental Society for Sleep Medicine, or look up a combination of those. Um, the lady who runs it, Adidi, mm. is a fantastic lady. She's based down in Harley Street. Um, and they're now running courses on how to recognize these sleep-disordered breathing. As dentists, they mm. are mainly fairly conservative with how far do we take it with breathing. I do believe Patrick was mm. talking to them the other week. And then there's a whole raft of fantastic practitioners called myofunctional therapists. These are mm. usually ladies who then will teach everyone from children to adults, lips together, tongue to the roof of your mouth and breathe through your nose. And so mm. long as the dentistry supports that or the dentistry hasn't been pulled back and you literally can't do that, you will be a healthier mm. person for it. And it's part of that Bredesen protocol. You mentioned just then about an apparatus that helps to to widen the nose. Yeah. So if someone's listening to that and think, oh, that, that sounds really interesting, where would they find out more about that? Mute, M-U-T-E. You can get it off Amazon. You can go to Boots. Um, any of these nasal dilators work. Um, you know, the breathing mm. right strips go on the outside and try and pull your nose out. You actually mm. need something more structural that goes in and just opens your nose out. And it, it's like breathing supercharged. You know, you breathe in through your nose and say, wow. And me and my partner, who's a Buteyko practitioner, we walk up the top of the hill, we try not to talk and breathe through our nose. It's maybe not the most romantic thing in the world, but it's good for our health. And you'd be <laughs> amazed how much quicker and how much better you feel once you learn how to use your nose, which is poor breathing. You know, and... and, and yeah, I, I can't say more than that. I mean, I'm a dentist. I haven't talked about teeth. Not interested in the white bits anymore. <laughs> I'm interested in the nose and supporting how your body should work. Is there anyone who maybe someone, as I, I just said, someone listening to this may be interested in that device. So uh -huh. is there anyone who that device maybe would not be suitable for? I can't think of anyone who it wouldn't be. I mean, you'll hear people say, I can't breathe through my nose or I've got allergies. Mm. Well, if you can't breathe yeah. through your nose. There are some fantastic Buteyko techniques to unblock a blocked nose. People mm. can have deviated septums. So we can mm. take x-rays and just occasionally we may send someone to an ENT. I've sent, well, one patient a year where we take an x-ray and we find the sinuses are fully blocked with infection. So those are people that would struggle. But it's you know if we concentrate on the ones who can't let's concentrate on the 99 percent who can and right. you know give them the opportunity and if they can't then find out a reason why they can't breathe through their nose and if it mm. means a referral to an ent but again we fall into that zone of well the ent can't really be bothered um you know oh, it's nothing glorious or anything it's but i think they're becoming more and more 
savvy with this. And when I write a letter now with a child, you know, can they look at tonsils and adenoids? I do drop in the line from Patrick that it can have, you know, if they are ending up breathing through their mouths, it can have an influence on their overall health, development, and IQ. They'll, they're more likely to take a little bit of an interest. And with adults as well, I think if we now acknowledging that snoring and sleep apnea, where we used to laugh at Homer Simpson and, and his granddad, you know, snoring and dribbling, that's actually mm. a sign that they're unwell. Mm. And so I think more and more surgeons will want to help, but they're a bit busy at the moment. So, you know, they'll either talk people into having a CPAP device, which is still mm-hmm. being the gold standards, which is basically you wear something over your nose and or mouth and you blow air in. But that mm. really weakens the tissues, but it keeps people alive. So I'm not going to deny it, it does help. But if mm. you can put something in your nose to dilate your nose so you can breathe through your nose easier, mm-hmm. retrain your lips and tongue to be together and tongue to the roof of your mouth, or even make a sleep appliance device that goes over your top and bottom teeth and bring your jaw forwards. I mean, we can mm-hmm. all do this. We can bite on our back teeth, pull our tongue back, and we can <clears throat> snore. I'm sure you got that. But if mm-hmm. I bring my jaw forwards, bite on the front teeth, I can't snore because my tongue mm-hmm. has come forwards with my lower jaw and it's given me a better airway. Now, if we tape our mouth together, as again, Patrick has has, has um, taught us so well, then mm-hmm. you can start to breathe better and see how your sleep goes. I'm mm-hmm. not a big fan of just telling people to go and tape because it can induce a lot of panic. But if you look mm. at the mechanism of how you're breathing during the day um, and during the night, I believe that is a positive health benefit that doesn't cost too much and will mm. give you a quality of life for the rest of your life. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Habits and Health podcast, where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. If you're looking for the fastest and most effective way to transform your energy and well-being, we invite you to join Tony for an upcoming Habits and Health workshop. This five-week group workshop will empower you with tools to disrupt unwanted habits and make positive changes easy. You'll enjoy sounder sleep, better energy, less stress and a happier mood. Workshops begin on the first week of every month and you can sign up now at tonywinyard.com. Now, back to the show. You talked about CPAP machine just then, and yeah. that it may be adv- advisable or recommended maybe to, to use the, the other device. I forget what, what it was called, yeah. the device to go in the nose. Yeah, the mute. Is, or, yeah. yeah, the mute. Yeah, the mute. So, um, I mean, I'm thinking in particular of one person I, I recently was speaking to who I was trying to help him when he was breathing, and he mentioned to me, oh, well, I've got a CPAP machine, so I'm not able to to um, do some of the things that you were talking about. So, so I'm wondering for him, this mute device would be something that, might be good for him to try, for example. Uh, again, I can't see that it would do any harm, okay? Mm. Um, and there's a lot of people now, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to go to Spain. I had a quite a memorable course in Spain um, where they will make an appliance as well as offering the patient a CPAP because if you bring your jaw forwards and you bring your tongue forwards, then the CPAP will work better. Mm. I'm not saying you should replace the CPAP but you've certainly got more options. And now that you can get these little portable uh, sleep device tests, it costs a couple of hundred pounds to test, and then uh, we won't charge a lot to retest. If your oxygen stats are, are better, we, we, we're not allowed to diagnose sleep apnea, but we can certainly say whether your oxygen levels, your snoring, your effort is, um, is happening when you're asleep. So... Um, Get a sleep test done. Go to your doctor. Go to your dentist. See if they've got a sleep test. And mm. start from there. Start from there. Do a test. And then you can put yourself on the map. And is this something that's done by every dentist or only certain I, dentists? I think it's only only a few dentists who do this kind of stuff. Again, you know, dentistry is is has has many 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 chapters to it you know i don't do crowns and veneers and brilliant smiles it just doesn't push my button um Mm. biological tissue is important to me um Mm. and this isn't the glory dentist it's hard work you know we don't get 
all that success sometimes, and patients mm. get you know annoyed with this. Well, it hasn't worked, but we've tried our best with all the clinical symptoms that were there. You know, it's much easier to crown four or six teeth and give someone a beautiful white smile, but why would I put white teeth in the wrong place? And certainly when you have all these fancy procedures, you know, be it crowns, be it implants, um, if you're not taking care of the tongue and where the tongue lives and making sure they can get the lips together so they can make a seal and then teach them how to breathe through your nose, you're actually working against their long-term health. Um, so that's my style of dentistry. So, so on the sleep we were talking about just now on a sleep test, so if someone yeah. did want to find it, it maybe someone, their dentist doesn't do that, and they wanted to find a dentist who does do that, where would be the best place for them to look? I would look at the British, I think it's the British Dentist Society for Sleep Medicine, or right. the, the, the British Dentist Society for Sleep Medicine, something like that. And they will have a list of dentists who, um, yeah, we pay our monies, we go on a list, um, mm-hmm. but at least they're the dentists who start. Um, and I think Dr. Google can find other dentists as well. I mean, for me, I've done some learning in America, and the American Academy of Physiological Dentistry and Medicine, I think AAMPD or AAPMD, something like that, those combinations, is a mm-hmm. great resource for educating people on sleep and breathing. That's where I saw Dale Bredesen. That's where you see all these great doctors and their overriding goal is to get people sleeping and breathing better. And then you Mm. do the dentistry in that place rather than the other way around. Um, You've got to ask, got to ask. You you touched upon nitric oxide earlier. I mean, could you um, let people know why, why that's so important? Nitric oxide is uh, an element or a, a gas that's made in your sinuses and at the roof of your nose. And when you breathe in through your nose, you draw the nitric oxide, it goes um, through the top of your nose, round the back of your throat, and it's very antibacterial. Interestingly, and maybe controversially, it has been used as a potential treatment for um, coronavirus. And if you think we actually swab right at the back of the nose to pick up viral particles, if you are breathing through your nose, if you're flooding this area with nitric oxide, naturally produced in your sinuses if they're the right shape because the teeth underneath are supporting them then this is a natural antiviral therapy and there's more than one research at the moment looking at putting nitric oxide in the nose to sterilize the nose to reduce your COVID infections. Nitric oxide is then taken into the lungs where it is very much deemed um, a muscle relaxant. So of a night time, um, if you're taking adequate nitric oxide in, um, the smooth muscle, which is going to line your heart, which lines um, your bladder, your, your urinary tract areas, um, they're relaxed. If, however, you breathe through your nose and you do, uh, sorry, you, you breathe through your mouth and you're not taking in the nitric oxide, these smooth muscles tend to tighten up which you could speculate is why people are waking up two and three times of a night and go for a wee because mm. everything's tightening and, oh, the body wakes you up. So you're getting disturbed sleep cycles. You're peeing a lot, which you don't necessarily need to do at night. And this is why a lot of people have heart attacks when they're asleep, possibly because they're breathing through the mouth, not getting the benefit of the nitric oxide. More importantly, they're breathing out the carbon dioxide now, the other thing is nitric oxide. It is made in all parts of the oral cavity. And there are some quite elegant studies, though controversial, where if you use certain mouthwashes, I'm not going to name them here, but if you use mouthwashes, it kills the bacteria that produce the nitric oxide and your blood pressure goes up. And mm-hmm. it's not me saying this. I'm sorry, the studies are there to show it. So mm-hmm. if you're going to use mouthwashes and I'm not, I'm, I don't think I don't think we need to use as many mouthwashes as we do, personal mm. opinion. But be careful because by using a mouthwash and having fresh breath, you put your blood pressure up by five points. Not very clever because you're knocking out your nitric oxide. So, what, what type of mouthwash should someone look out for if they are determined to use mouthwash? If, if I like a mouthwash, and I'm going to name another brand, and it's more expensive, is a mm. product called Biocidin because. Mm-hmm. Bacteria live in um, sticky, gluey 
gels, you know, like flats made out of glue. And mm. rather than trying to kill the bugs, it actually dissolves the glue that holds all the bacteria together. So it breaks okay. down what's called the biofilm. Biofilms are everywhere, in your pipes, um, in your heart, uh, in, in every tube in your body, in every tube in your mouth, you have biofilms. And if mm. you use the biocidin and the essential oils and the herbs in those to break the biofilm down, then you don't have the houses the bugs can live in. And that's mm. why you can flush the bad bugs out of your system. So biocidin has a whole raft of health benefits. And uh, if, if I'm reluctant to use it because it has such whole body effects, you recommend a mouthwash and they said, oh, I've got this and I've got that. It's because it affects everything in your body. It's a good thing. But as dentists, we're only supposed to treat the mouth, which is rubbish, because the mouth mm. is connected to everything else. Yeah, yeah, Myocidine is a good one. Uh, and any more of the more natural mouthwashes, um, not some of the chemical synthetic ones is what I'm saying. Right. You talked to earlier on in the episode about when, I think it was 1985, when you stopped doing mercury fillings. But there's there's probably many people listening to this who have got mercury fillings. Yeah. What would be a recommendation for them to an approach to take if they think they have got an excess number of mercury fillings, which could be causing them problems? Uh, Well, um, let's start by saying every mercury filling is leaking mercury all the time. Hmm. And one mercury filling may be too much for one person and there was a great study by a guy called Mark Richardson in the 90s. Um, and he said that you should have, and I'm picking these figures up, six amalgams in a child. You can have nine amalgams in an adult and you can have seven when you're older because of the acknowledged release of mercury from the films. The trouble mm-hmm. is we've had a healthcare system that, you know, you can see people with 15, 20 fillings. And it's, you know, one tooth may have a filling top front, back, left, and right. So it's a massive surface area. And if mercury is released as a vapor, then the bigger the surface area, the more mercury is going to be released. It's released by galvanism. So, you know, as kids, you used to lick a battery or touch your fillings with the tinfoil, and you can feel that electric shock. Fillings are corroding. They are rusting in your mouth. And then if you clench and grind your teeth, maybe because you've got sleep problems as well, that is releasing more. But you know what? Amalgams have got us to this point instead of having our teeth taken out. So they've been a you know an absolute workhorse, and now we're realizing that perhaps they're not best for our health. So let's deal with it that we're grateful that we've had them, but we shouldn't be placing them anymore. And so what should someone do? Well, maybe make the decision not to have any more mercury fillings put in. And don't believe that end says the only thing we can do is a mercury filling because I think it was 93 I stopped using mercury fillings and I haven't Mm. done one since and I've still been able to do dentistry. Mm. Look for a dentist who is smart registered. That's safe mercury amalgam removal technique. And you'll find those through a website, iaomt.org, which is an American organization. And I've run courses on their behalf in the UK since 95. And the smart dentists are dentists who follow certain protocols when we drill fillings out because lots of dentists say, oh, they're most harmful when you drill them out, and they're right. But unless you're going to have the mercury filling in your mouth forever, drip, drip, dripping mercury into the system, have Mm. it removed carefully and safely, and then it's not going to cause a problem going forwards. So you've also got to say, as we have older population maybe listening, um, what are you going to put back? Because sometimes the tooth is all filling, And so the Mm. dentist has to have the meaningful conversation that if I take this out, we could have a problem. Mm. And then add to that the fact that if you've had dentistry done over 20, 30, 40 years and your bite's not as good as it can be and your airways are compromised, is your teeth where they are at the moment the right place to have new fillings? Or do you want to build up the teeth, improve the airway, get your lips together, tongue to the roof of your mouth and breathe through your nose – and then have the dentistry done in the new improved bite, which not only improves, which improves your health, and the dentistry is going into a more balanced mouth. So smart dentistry is something that we should all be looking at. But don't rush out and have the nearest dentist take your fillings out. That's not a particularly good idea. 
But and one thing I yeah, go on. well, one thing I didn't understand from what you just said, you talked about that if they did, you know, once they've got the the teeth sitting right, yeah. What would they do then if the amalgam is removed? How can what would be the alternative to? Is there something else they would put in instead? Yeah, so you can do, there's a variety of white fillings. Depends on how right. big the mercury filling is, but there's a variety of white fillings you can put in. Um, there's also what are known as crowns, which I think everyone knows where you drill more of the tooth away. But there's also mm. things called inlays, which is literally you drill the mercury filling out and, oh my goodness, you've got a big hole in the tooth. But you can scan it with a laser or you can take an impression and have a white filling that's made to fit that hole. What I guess I'm saying is that if we also recognize that your bite isn't as good or maybe your sleep and breathing isn't as good because of your bite, do you correct the bite and then the fillings or do you do the fillings and then the bite and then the fillings need to be changed again or the right. fillings need to be modified? So quite mm. often we will clear out the metals from someone's mouth and put in a semi-permanent restoration. It'll be good two, three, four, five years. Mm. Then spend time improving the bite and the clenching and the grinding and, and, and the airways and stuff. And then mm. finish the teeth off now that you've got everything in a more biological position. You know, someone mm. is sleeping better. Maybe they're wearing a splint. You know, maybe they're, you know, the jaws are more relaxed. And that's where you should do the, the finishing dentistry, which, you know, I admit may be more expensive, but it's putting teeth where the nature wanted them to be rather than where they've found out after years and years of filling at a time. And you talked about improving the bite. So how would someone go about improving their bite? Well, what we would look to do is um, we've always got to do things conservatively. And we also want to make sure that we can always go back a step if things don't work. So quite often we make something to fit over the lower teeth to alter how the teeth fit together. And then we can mm -hmm. make another one to fit over it. We can add plastic. But it is usually bringing that lower jaw downwards and forwards. So if someone's jaw opens better, a lot of the muscle pain goes. And dentists have been doing this for years and years, treating TMJ. You know, the jaws open, neck, shoulder problems go, headaches go, and the jaw is opening more freely. That's where the, that's where the teeth should be to support the muscles and the jaw. So this is the TMJ thing again. Mm -hmm. Then you've got to say, how am I going to get the teeth to fit together there? What's more difficult and certainly as controversial as the mercury issue is that if someone has had teeth taken out, and I go back to that book, Six Foot Tiger in a Three Foot Cage by a gentleman called Felix Liao, he mm. will list all the health symptoms that he's improved by undoing the orthodontics. But that's a lot of work. And you've got to go to a dentist who understands making the jaws bigger again. You may even have to go back and put implants where teeth have been removed but you're giving them the, the jaw, which is going to support the tongue, lips together, and breathe through your nose. That's why it's so important. So mm. um, getting rid of metals is important. Getting rid of gum disease and infections in the teeth is important. But finding out where everything should be is equally as important. Mm. Um, sorry, have I answered that? Yeah. I mean, the only, the only problem is that I've got so many questions from different things that you said. And it's like, I can't ask all the questions. I can't remember all of them. But so, I mean, one thing that's going through my mind at the moment is what would be, what would you recommend a, a, is a good way of someone looking after their, their oral health? So that, you know, the teeth and everything else. Um, we, we uh, in our health, we're all on, on a slippery slope down. And we always have to do more just to stand still as we get older. Believe me, you know, I've got to walk more <laughs> or I'm going to be very, very rotund. So mm -hmm. what we've done in the past, we, we don't necessarily, we have to add on as we go forwards. So see mm -hmm. a dentist who really believes you should keep your teeth a lifetime. And I love seeing people and saying, look, I told you to keep your teeth a lifetime. Um, because I genuinely believe if you improve the brushing, the cleaning, and you teach them good habits, and that's your field, then mm. they, they come back and, you know, I'll have a chat with them and I haven't done anything for 10 years. It's not a very good business model. And they're happy. Um, mm. You give them the fact that they do believe they can keep their teeth a lifetime. So I see people I've been seeing for 30 years, and they're now in their 70s, and they've got all the teeth. Mm. Um, 
heaven knows when I'm going to retire. I've got some young dentists who are uh, taking over from me. But changing a mindset is a big thing. Oh, my, you know, my mum had bad teeth. I'll have all my teeth taken out. No, no, no. And don't go the lazy way of having all your teeth out and putting implants in. Because implants can still get infections around them. Implants are still putting metals back in your body. Your own teeth are the best thing. It's what nature gave you. Um, so I have to say, find a good hygiene therapist. See a dentist at least twice a year to make sure there's no disease creeping in and treat it early. And, you know, a hygiene therapist, our patients are more than happy to see the hygienist two, three, sometimes four times a year to, for, for us to give them the help where they cannot manage it. And mm-hmm. going forwards, I'm sure we'll bring in vitamin D more and more to improve dental health and dental hygiene. Um, mm-hmm. And I must admit, I have better members of my staff who you could talk to who will give you the advice. Um, yeah, we use laser. We have fancy stuff. I've always spent my money on silly things. We have lasers. We have ozone, ozone water. Um, we use the more natural mouthwashes. But it's what's appropriate for that individual. Um, and, and it's not a get-out-of-jail answer that. It is everyone has different needs, and you have to match the dentistry to their needs and be honest with them. And people mm. understand that. But teeth for a lifetime, and certainly if I get a child, I should be able to develop the jaws, get the teeth fitting together, boring though it is, lips together, tongue to the roof of your mouth, breathe through your nose, and that will give them a set of teeth that should last a lifetime. Mm. It's not going to happen in my career, but I'm excited for the dentists who are coming up if they want to deliver that kind of health-orientated dental care. I mean, you, you talked a few times about the how our jaws have got, or the space in our mouth, from what I is it, smaller now than you know yeah. because of various things. So it's, it sounds like having if someone's had their wisdom teeth removed, that's a sure sign of that happening in someone's life. A hundred percent, and you know, and I had them out when I was a student because someone needed to take teeth out to get their their numbers of extractions out. Um, wisdom teeth are a difficult one to get in. And when you see someone with wisdom teeth in, they've usually got fantastic mouths. Um, But you'll also see people with wisdom teeth because they've had teeth further forwards taken out. That's not ideal. Mm. Um, And it's because if you go back to Weston Price's book, um, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration, a fantastic Mm. book, and he basically showed primitive tribes who were eating raw, unprocessed foods, um, living off the land, um, usually had well-developed upper jaws. And when the families moved into the towns and cities or ate processed food, then within two or three generations, they first started getting decay, and then the mouths didn't grow as much. Again, it's down to you know a more natural approach to childbirth and, and nursing the child and having the midwife massage the skulls and try and round out the skulls again. What we have is fantastic because we keep more people alive than we've ever done. But then we don't do the ancient wisdom of cranial work, breastfeeding, nurturing and swaddling a child, um, mm. you know, leaving them outside with snow on the outside so they, they function properly. Instead of having them in warm, centrally heated rooms and they bung up their nose and they can't breathe through their nose, so you know they, they end up breathing through their mouth. If you see a child who's genuinely got a stuffy nose and they have these candlesticks going up and down when they breathe in and out, they want to breathe through their nose. They're designed to breathe through their nose. But the moment we break that seal and they start breathing through their mouth, it is a slippery slope for their dentist, their dental health, and their overall health for the rest of their life. Um, we, we are, we, we're getting towards the end of the episode. I mean, is there anything about dentistry that I haven't asked you that you really think the listeners should know? I, I think there's a huge area around dental infections and we are now acknowledging that um gum disease has a big influence on someone's overall health and we can quite confidently say that um, gum disease is linked to preterm low birth weight babies uh, diabetes whether it causes diabetes or diabetes makes gum disease worse. we certainly know of cardiovascular events um stroke events you know one of the biggest predicted factors is whether someone's got gum disease so Again, seeing a hygienist can save your life by 
getting your gums clean and healthy and showing you what to do. Mm. The more sinister side is that we as dentists like to try and save teeth at all options. So we perform um, a procedure known as root canals. You know, it always sounds painful, but it doesn't have to be. Well, we take the nerve out of tooth because we keep the tooth. Mm. But that tooth will always have bacteria living in them. Now, not mm. every root-filled tooth will call harm. Uh, and the dogma of some of the more holistic dentists say every root canal tooth should go. But I would also balance it that if you take out root-filled teeth and you collapse the jaw and there's not enough room for your tongue and you don't breathe as well, which is worse? Mm. And so a, a, a biological dentist will balance all those three, which is materials and metals we use in the body, will balance infections that we have in the body, but will balance the structure. And the structure is, you know, the mantra about our lips together, tongue to the roof of your mouth and breathe through your nose. So getting your mouth as infection-free as possible is a win-win situation. We're all inflamed. You know, we live in a Wi-Fi soup. We, we live with pollution. You know all of this, and you've probably had better guests than I talking about those things. But when you're walking around with something in your mouth that is poisoning you slowly with the mercury fillings, that mm. is constantly dripping bacteria into your system, and then you're not breathing right, which is a source of inflammation. And if you breathe through your mouth at night, you're inflaming your throat. Mm. All these are inflammatory markers that we as dentists can reduce if you're interested in the person's overall health. And this is where the the the... the, the parameters between fixing teeth and fixing the whole of the body is now becoming very willing years ago i couldn't start talking about mercury causing harm to your body and getting into your brain now there's so much research why shouldn't i mm. even the fda oh six months ago maybe a year ago now said that probably mercury fillings are not advisable for 60 percent of our population that's all women of childbearing age, neurological diseases, kidney diseases, genetic predispositions. And talk with Pete about his, um, you know, the gene profiling to see whether someone has an APOE4 protein um, that makes you more susceptible to being injured by mercury being released from your fillings. It's pulling the science together from so many different angles. Mm. So you get this this much more of a composite picture of the human being rather than there's a tooth, this is how you fill it. Yeah. Well, we are running out of time, John. I mean, there's so many more things I'd like to ask you, but just before, one of the questions, what is this? There's a couple of questions I always ask every guest. So one is, is there a book that has really moved you in any way? The book that sticks in my head more than anything is Lord of the Rings. Okay. I read that as a student when I was doing my finals, because it allowed my mind to free up and think because we didn't have the TV series or the film series or all the graphics and animations. It was me and my own mind creating that reality. So when right. I get facts in about dentistry and breathing and cranial work, I can put them all together in a mind that thinks for itself. So Lord of the Rings is still real for me but it's my way. And when you watch the films, yeah, it's not quite what you mean. So any book I read, which allows my imagination to take me where I want to go and be that a health book, I'll read something health orientated and I'll bring it back to my dental field and said, wow, has anyone ever thought of that? Can you go away and you follow that line. So any book that encourages free thinking is what I would say. But Lord of the Rings did it for me. When talking of books, have, have you written a book? Oh, I, you know what? Everyone. I, 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 there was a book I started writing called um, The Man Who Knew It But Didn't Do It. And right. you know, that's very much apt for, for, for what you do. I, I, I had two friends this weekend giving me grief. Um, I actually want to do an online resource because I just want to get the information out there. Right. I, I don't need anything from it. But I want to have people to have choices. I'm not saying I'm right, but give people choices and they can decide. Mm. And whether it's in a book, whether it's on a website that will come, it will, it will begin the next year. So they can learn about ozone. And if they want it, they'll find a dentist who does it. If they want mm. mercury fillings, they'll have the resources to 
here's a smart dentist, here's where you find a smart dentist, your choice. Hmm. And I won't be dictatorial, I won't be dogmatic. Um, and it's ever moving. And, and you, so you talked about the website. So if people do want to find out more about you, where, where would they go to look? At the moment, there's a, there's a page and it's Biological Dentistry 2020 because we were going to run this conference in Manchester last year um, and we had people from all over the world. Uh, Patrick was going to speak. Peter was going to speak. Um, I can't remember whether John Muir was going to speak. You know, we had so many fantastic speakers and COVID sort of pulled the rug from under us. So um, I, I will be running more courses and conferences, but I want to put people like yourself together with dentists, boy, there's a combination made in heaven. I want to put mm. osteopaths together with dentists and breath mm. workers because these are like the Heston Blumenthal or whatever he is, you know, the, the, the wonderful chef. Mm. You bring flavors together that aren't being done. Why would a dentist mm. work with an osteopath? Why? I mean, because you get better dentistry. Mm. You know, if you want to change people's habits, I'm not the one to do it. You're the one to do it. But this mm. is what I want you to do. Brush your teeth slightly differently every day, but understand mm. the importance of it. Why am I doing it? Not to make me happy because you'll keep disease out of your body and you'll keep your teeth a lifetime. That's a pretty good reason, isn't it? So when you say brush your teeth slightly different every day, what do you mean by that? Um, we'll always look at how you're brushing your teeth. You know, when I, when I started, it was up and down and side to side. Well, that's all wrong. You know, you, right. you put the toothbrush on the gum and you caress the gum upwards. But then there's bits you can't get the toothbrush. So there's these little interproximal brushes or floss or um, the, what is absolutely fantastic at the moment are these water jets, which is like a little water pump that you pump between your teeth and wash your teeth clean. But it's also everyone should brush their teeth differently. So how you brush your teeth and how, brush, how, how I brush my teeth is dependent on the shape of our mouth and our particular needs. And right. again, I'm not being evasive, but get it evaluated and get someone to say, right, let's keep your teeth a lifetime and this is how we're going to do it. Right. But yeah, brush your teeth. Do we overbrush our teeth, you know? I brush my teeth four or five times a day. I think that's too much. I, I, you know, once a day for some people is fine. Twice a day, maybe. But all the time, uh, it's time to question everything. Hmm. You, you talked about biological dentistry. Is there uh, a resource, a website, or anything for biological dentistry? <sighs> I, I think it's up to an old man from Liverpool to sort of start <laughs> to pull these people together. I mean, there's a lot of dentists are being galvanized because of some health concerns that are going on in the country overall with the virus. So there's a lot of dentists who are talking. But again, the moment you start to lead a group, the group tends to take the direction of the leader. And right. that's difficult. Um, I am probably one of the oldest, grumpiest um, people and probably have enough of a reputation to galvanize people. But there are dentists who just do sleep breathing. There are dentists mm. who just do mercury. And mm. so who am I to set out what's right and wrong? All I mm. want to do is an umbrella organization so people can declare an interest. And you might have two or three dentists. One does this really well. One does that really well. Break the mm. paradigm of one dentist fits all. No, it's, yeah, yeah. it's wrong. Well, just before we finish, John, is there, do you have a quotation that you like? Well, there's a quotation that was taught by a dentist who I then went off. But his quote was, if you quote me, date me. Because a lot of what I've said is where I am when I'm 63 years old. Right. Heaven knows what I'll be saying when I'm 65 or what I would have said when I was 50. And so mm. if my life is evolving and changing, uh, that's a sign of, a, a, a hopefully, a slightly mature person. You know, <laughs> life changes, our knowledge changes, and, and, mm. and that's a quote that I like. And the other mm. one is, why not? So, you know, <laughs> on my tombstone, I want John Roberts. Why not? 
It's funny you say that because my my name backwards, Tony, is is why not. Okay. And uh, I used to have a radio show called uh, It's Saturday and Why Not. So yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> but useless information for you, John. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed the last hour. I mean, there's so many more questions I'd love to ask, but I, I want to be respectful of your time. So I, I really appreciate you giving your time and educating the listeners on so many things they've probably not never heard before. So thank you. Well, I will try and help with resources. Certainly next year when I'm actually reducing my drilling commitment um, but I want to spend more time helping people because I can give I'm happy to do that well yeah I mean maybe if you uh, come back onto the show again in the future that would be fantastic as well happy happy to do that thank you John a couple of times during the show John mentioned Patrick he was referring to Patrick McEwen the author of The Oxygen Advantage and also some books on the Buteco Method and he mentioned quite a few links during the show. All of the links that he talked about are in the show notes. Next week, episode 44 is with Dr. Anna Smith. She's an acupuncture lifestyle medicine physician in Whitney in Oxfordshire. She's an experienced GP of 26 years, qualifying from St. Bartholomew's Hospital in London. And she registered as a GP in 94 and worked in various specialities, including medicine, surgery, dermatology, paediatrics, psychiatry and obstetrics and gynaecology. And she trained in acupuncture at the British Medical Acupuncture Society in London. And we talk a lot about how the misunderstandings of acupuncture and the myths surrounding it as well. And we, we dig a lot deeper into that. So that's next week's episode with Dr. Anna Smith. If you do know anyone who would get some real value from some of the information that John Roberts shared, please do share the episode with them and hope you have a great week. Thanks for tuning in to the Habits and Health Podcast, where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Sign up for email updates and learn about coaching and workshop opportunities at TonyWinyard.com. See you next time on the Habits and Health Podcast.